When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And what's up? Welcome in. Happy New Year. Wes Mitchell here. Chris Clark. It is DC Live, a Monday episode of the show. Hopefully you all did enjoy your New Year and are enjoying your New Year. I feel like this is kind of weirdly officially New Year's Day, um, even though yesterday was. You got a lot of college football games on today. Big NFL matchup tonight as well. Um, I think at a lot of places this was like the official day off uh, for people because Yesterday fell on the weekend as well, so I hope you're enjoying possibly a day off. Again, I'm Wes. He's Chris. A lot to get to, a lot to talk about. We're, of course, going to dive into South Carolina's close loss in the Gator Bowl. And then, of course, Chris, uh, some positive news for the Gamecocks yesterday with the carry-on joiner officially announcing that he is returning to South Carolina for his final year of eligibility. So a uh, lot to get to, man. How you doing? Everything's good, man. Rolling through some things. Uh, feels like that game was like a week ago. It was not. Um, it's been, I don't know if it was the car rides there. Back was not bad, of course. Um, but a lot happening still in Gamecock Nation. Recruiting, man, is about to get wrapped up again. A little bit of transfer portal activity for South Carolina. Keeping to carry on Joiner, as you said. And, and a lot to dive into with the Gator Bowls. And I know we talked about this a little bit right after the game and then the next day kind of an interesting vibe you know surrounding the Gator Bowl like we were kind of curious about how Gamecock Nation will react to the loss and um, it's been different than a typical loss right so I think people have shown um, abilities the wrong word but they've shown that they are contextualizing a bowl game for for what it was um Still some good things to take away from the game. Obviously, some negatives from the game, the loss, and overall negative. But it all leads into a very, very interesting, if nothing else, offseason for South Carolina. Yeah, I think quite obviously, man, a big missed opportunity for South Carolina, you would say. Uh, of course, uh, 45-38 final score. South Carolina had a two-score lead early on in that game. Really felt like they were in control in my opinion, and um, but never, you know, I thought they had some chances to put it away early or at least raise their percentages of winning to a pretty high point very early on. Just couldn't quite do it. Notre Dame stuck around, hung around, kept running the football, and uh, really were able to obviously put the game away in the end. And, you know, I look at it like this, man. If they had won the game, like the momentum that they would have going into this offseason then just hits an absolute fever pitch. And, you know, I, I think, again, missed opportunity within like the micro look at the game, but then missed opportunity from like the macro look as well. And that you say people would really be talking about this team going into the offseason, probably even more so like, you know, usually a bowl game doesn't really serve as 
a huge indicator of success going into next year. But it's just something about winning that last game and being the final thing people see from your team and your program that tends to raise the expectations going into next year. I do think you have seen fans sort of be like, look, this is a, what, a national brand opponent. This is a, a team that was in the college football playoff um, not that long ago. And so they looked and said, look, here's another game where after winning two games against top 10 teams, another game against a quality opponent, top 25 matchup, that South Carolina went out there. They matched up. They appeared to be, uh, you know, they, they belonged is what I'm trying to say. They belonged on the same field with another top 25 program, top 25 team. Going in, they were both right up there, like 19 and 21 in the country. So it was thought to be an even matchup. It really, truly was. It came down to the final drive for both teams. And, uh, and Notre Dame just made more plays late and had a better offensive performance in the game is what it came down to. But I um, – I think, yeah, fans are obviously disappointed, but I didn't feel that just extreme push of negativity and finger pointing and just flipping out necessarily that we see from some losses such as like the way the Florida game went, the way the Missouri game went. I I think fans are saying Carolina very easily could have been on the other side of this and we're happy to see the team compete against a quality opponent. Well, and I think there are several factors that probably go into that. Number one, Wes, let's just make this one simple. Points. Remember, we talked about this like early in the season. I think there was a question asked on our 107.5 show. Um, I don't remember if it was a listener. Or we were just all talking about it. But it was kind of it was kind of if you lose a game, is it better to put up a bunch of points? Is it better a defensive battle? South Carolina scored some points in this game, and it was an exciting game, right? I mean – you have two pick sixes. You have a special team score. You have some big plays on offense. Um, it was a close game. And, and so what's the difference in that and, say, Missouri and Florida? Well, you gave up plenty of plays defensively just like you did to Notre Dame in the Gator Bowl, but you didn't score any points in those games. And so if games are just bland and boring and exciting and you're doing nothing on offense, you're not making any big explosive plays on offense or special teams to go score points, people generally tune out and they're not quite as happy. I think all that built on each other because of the Satterfield stuff this season, just completely different, right? They scored a bunch of points in this game. They had a bunch of exciting plays. They kept fighting. It was a back and forth affair for really for most of the game, Wes. And I think that was part of it. And then, you know, another is of course, people did recognize it is a bowl game. Um, It is kind of an off season. It's a shakeup and you're missing a, bunch of players right and so if South Carolina had come out and looked listless and like they didn't want to be there and just kind of going through the motions I think people would not have really given this team a pass for saying hey you're missing a bunch of guys but because of the way they did fight because of how the game went because of the plays that they continued to make I think people were generally more understanding but Wes there was a point in this game it was after South Carolina went up 21 to 7 I kind of thought there is a chance. I wasn't convicted that it would happen for sure, but hey, there's a chance that they can run away with this game. Instead, Notre Dame got the ball back. I think they had a third and short, like a third and four in their own territory. They converted that. They actually had a third and long uh, in South Carolina territory, like a third and 12. They converted that. Ended up only getting a field goal. South Carolina answered with the field goal. 
but then it's a two touchdown game really um, after Notre Dame ends up uh, hitting that 75 yard little, basically a little swing pass out to the flat, to the running back digs that goes for 75 yards. And you, you hit on it earlier, Notre Dame's ability to run the football. They seem to get better as that went along. Um, as the game went along, I think South Carolina's depth issues did rear their ugly head defensively at times. The offense, you know, had some sputtering at times with Notre Dame uh, making some plays. Special teams ended up being, what, fairly close to even, right? South Carolina got them on the fake field goal. Notre Dame got them on the fake punt. The way that they structured their potential, their punt block units frazzled South Carolina a couple times, so that ended up being even. So very, very close game. I will tell you one other thing, Wes. I know I'm jumping all over the place, but I, I didn't want – the whole show to pass by without saying this, you know, Tyler Buckner for Notre Dame was, it's weird to say he was impressive. He threw three picks, including uh, two pick sixes. Now what one of them, two of them were tipped. One of them was a very bad read on the O'Donnell fortune, 100 yard interception return. But that guy, I mean, you and I were sitting with each other at the game. That guy made some big time throws under duress in the game. And, and heck, so did Spencer Rattler. So, a um, lot of big plays in the game, and and it it was a close one that really could have gone either direction. Yeah, the happiest people in Jacksonville had to have been the Gator Bowl folks because you had um, you had a, a great crowd. I, I thought, um, and and yeah, it was more Gamecock fans than Notre Dame fans. But you look, it wasn't like there were no Notre Dame fans there. There, you know, I was sort of picking before the game, saying it was like ten to one South Carolina fans, but. Once you got in the stadium, you saw there was a lot of green in, in the arena as well. So you look and, you know, it kind of had a big-time atmosphere to it. Like, I, I know there's this thing that all the bowl games, other than the CFP, don't matter. I, I don't think that's the case, man. For those guys on the field Friday afternoon, it, it did matter. For all those people that made the trip and um, either came all the way from from Indiana for the game or came all the way from South Carolina, which ended up being a freaking eight-hour drive for a lot of people. Um, you know, it, it mattered, and both sides played like it mattered. And I, I thought, you know, it's one thing when you lose a game, yeah, fans want to see their team win a game. But I, I think when you compete and you play your tail off, and you, I thought both sides just laid it all out there. And I know you play to win the game. I know that. Um, I, I'm not – like it, I'm not saying the loss doesn't count. It clearly does. Nine and four looks better than eight and five. But I thought it was one of those games, honestly, where you kind of had to tip your cap to both teams. Like both teams fought it out. Both teams played to the very end. You know, you can probably talk about some different things there that could have gone different ways as far as the referees not making that easy, you know, low-hanging fruit excuse. But, you know, I, I thought both sides just went out and, and played to the very, very end. And, and yet, yeah, dude, Notre Dame, you kind of saw why he was their quarterback to start the year. Like, he he had some extremely accurate throws where he dropped the ball in there to his guys. Some plays where he's a split second away from getting sacked, gets the ball off while he's getting hit, and not really fluke plays either. Like, just, hey, their quarterback made a throw, Good coverage a lot of times is like one of those things where it's like, all right, it's not perfect coverage, but it's good coverage from a Carolina DB. A good pass rush that doesn't quite get there. 
and he just made plays. So I, I think, you know, the way he ran the football at times as well, some of that you just kind of tip your cap. We knew South Carolina would struggle to stop the run more than likely. Just on paper, we've seen that all year, right? But then you add in that element of the passing game, of the QB run game, which we had gotten an indicator from uh, from Mike Singer that that was a big part of his game going into this one. You add all that up, and you have an opportunity to give up some points on defense, and that's exactly what we saw happen, man. Then you look at the Carolina side, some points scored early offensively, kind of sputtered offensively as the game progressed, but you add in the defensive scores, the special team scores, and that's you end up with a 45 to 38 ball game that really comes down to the final play. Some some big factors offensively, I think, Wes, is that number one, South Carolina was not able to rely on a running game of its own. And, and we knew that that was going to be a concern. Going in, what did we say? This is going to have to be a Rattler game, right? And he did deliver. But I think they're – their over-reliance on the passing game, which it just for this game, it kind of is what it is, or it was what it was. They weren't going to be able to line up, say, let's run the ball 40, 50 times with CBS and Juju McDowell. That just wasn't going to be the case. It never was. And so um, I think they didn't quite get enough from the run game, right? There are too many negative plays. They didn't get enough from the run game, whereas Notre Dame, whether it was quarterback run, and Spencer Rattler made some – obviously had some really good scrambles, some runs as well to pick up some yardage or extend plays. But they, Notre Dame, were able to kind of wear South Carolina down and pick up some big chunk plays, hit some first downs by running the football. And then the quarterback run was obviously big, especially down in the red zone. I mean, that became a big weapon for them. For Notre Dame, South Carolina didn't have that. And then another one, man, I mean, Nate Adkins, his absence, he went out of this game twice. Um, unfortunately, the second time just wasn't able to return. And so USC was already very, very <laughs> limited at the tight end position. Uh, we saw Jordan Birch take a snap at tight end, narrowly missed a touchdown from Spencer Rattler. And dude, how about Jordan Birch just blowing by a Notre Dame? I guess a safety that was. I didn't pay attention. It was, it was a defensive back, and Jordan Birch just ran right by him. Um, we saw TJ Sanders in there. Um, so some different Tonka. things, Tonka. So we saw some different things at tight Twitty. end, but Nate Atkins, Twitty. Yeah, we saw DJ, DJ Twitty. I mean, there were a lot of, of things that Nate Atkins could do for you in the offense. And we've spoken to this. I mean, he, he could line up in the backfield and catch passes. We saw him on that little, uh, kind of like that little shovel pass for a first down. He could just do so much for you, and to not have him then you're basically down to zero true tight ends. And that has an effect on your football team. We saw Notre Dame scored with their tight end. They're missing their first rounder, but they at least had other guys out there. They scored on the throwback pass to their tight end. So I think not having Adkins took away just one more element that could have helped uh, the Gamecocks offensively. And certainly figuring out the run game was something that they couldn't do in this game, and that wasn't a huge surprise. But also, Wes, that's one of the takeaways from this game that you can say, all right, here's a long-term storyline, right? Like a lot of the things we saw in this game, some of them were contained just to this game, but some of them are not. And I think one of them is 
the running back position, the run game for South Carolina because they're losing some offensive linemen. They're bringing back some of the same personnel, but in other ways that room's going to be a lot different next season um, and something they're going to have to figure out in 2023. Yeah, and I, I would say in a lot of ways, man, the game did kind of play out the way we thought it might. I, I actually thought from a scoring standpoint, Carolina scored about you know, I said 31-28 was my final score, but I even said several times last week that I thought it had the potential to be high scoring, uh, you know, even more high scoring than that. Um, I thought we might see a bit more from Carolina's offense. Now, if you told me 38, I'd have said that sounds about right. Now, I, I wouldn't have factored in, uh, you know, the two defensive scores and a special team score. Um you know, so I think in some ways it did play out the way we thought, except, uh, again, Notre Dame's quarterback play was probably a good bit better than I gave him credit for as far as expectations are going into this matchup. You look at the issues stopping the run, you know, you hate to say it, man, but it is not only is it something that you have to look at moving forward, the inability to run the football on offense and inability to stop the run, it was something, frankly, looking back, it was kind of on brand for much of the season as well. So I do think, though, Chris, you do have th – this. Is, if you're Shane Beamer, you have a chance to try and fix some things within your program while also not having that pressure of being a losing team, if that makes sense. Like your overall – your overall – status your overall direction as a program I think is very much on the up however you kind of look and you say all right there are also some things that they're going to have to fix to get to that next level as a team as a program too so I, I think you go into this offseason we've already seen offers going out in the transfer portal at O-line continuing to go out right they've already added one uh in the Yale kid at, at center so in my opinion, you can sort of see they're they're saying, all right, we, we got to keep trying to fix this. To me, this offseason, and unfortunately, it's a conversation we had a lot last offseason too, Chris. Stop the run. Better establish the run offensively. There may not be a bigger key for Carolina moving forward other than sort of the personnel conversation, which we can get to, which is, can you bring back Spencer Rattler? Can you bring back Juice Wells? That's clearly the biggest storyline this offseason. Other than that, internally, I think it goes back, run the football, stop the run, improve in those areas. Yeah, and when you look at South Carolina's recruiting class, Shane Beamer alluded to it during his post-game press conference. You know, it's, a, it's a good group. Um, it's not the best in the SEC. It's not the best in the country, but it has improved from you look at the 2021 class it was so quickly put together very transfer heavy 2022 which was higher ranked also had you know pretty large transfer class and then this one which will feature several transfers they're probably not done there Wes but the, also the highest ranked high school slash juco uh, class that they brought in so far and 2024 might be could be even better on that front at the end of the day we'll see but what we do know is look that there's some impact guys from the high school or junior college ranks immediately for this team. You look at, uh, you know, Pup Howard is obviously, I mean, he may be example number one when you look at the linebacker position for next year. USC is losing two seniors. 
but we also know that they need to improve on their run defense and linebackers a part of that. So Mo Kaba, can he come back from his second ACL injury? Everyone hopes so. And he was, he projected to be this team's best linebacker this year before he went down against Arkansas. We throw in Pup Howard as a true freshman who will get the benefit of going through spring practice. Can he be that? You look at, you know, a guy like Elijah Davis on the D line from the Juco ranks. You look at Desmond Yumiazulu, um, the edge rusher from uh, the DMV area, plenty of other guys. Um, you look at Dontavious Braswell, the running back position. But what guys can they add from the portal that are impact players? You mentioned Nick Gargiulo, who will probably be USC starting center next year. They're losing at least three linemen off this team, the three seniors who are departing uh, from the offensive line. But you also look, Wes, I mean, the tight end room, has flipped. They've done a really good job in the transfer portal with that, but still plenty. I think you can make a good argument, still plenty of needs from the portal for this team. Um, Windows still open. There's another window after spring football. Keep that in mind, May 1st through May 15th. There's another transfer portal window that'll open. So whether it's kind of the last part of this cycle through mid-January or the May one, there's room to add some more players. So I think you look at linebacker, Defensive back, offensive line, you mentioned earlier, the two new offers there, maybe edge, maybe wide receiver, running back. I mean, still numerous positions that I believe uh, that you could see South Carolina add in the transfer portal. And Ernie from YouTube points out that they did add Mario Anderson. Certainly they did, but they've sort of been eyeing two backs, if possible, from the portal, and he's one of them. Yeah, and I think – any number of those positions, man. If you got a guy interested and he wants to come to your program, you got to keep adding. Like you can't really look at it like I, I would dare say, Chris, almost any spot on the roster. If there's a portal guy that is good enough to instantly help your team, you really have to look into him. And that's a different that's the difference with college ball these days compared to even three or four years ago. It was kind of like all right, you maybe take a few transfers. If there's a guy, a lot of times it would be somebody from your state or from your area. They're trying to get back home. They transfer in. Or if you're like, this is a huge need. Is there anybody out there that fits this? Let's maybe take a chance on a transfer. Now, I think this is the new norm of college ball is that you're going to lose guys to the portal. And fans have started to become a bit numb to it, I think, or starting to get there. They're not there yet. But also the other side is you. I, I think double-digit additions from the portal, and unless the portal one day sort of, I guess, calms down because guys start to realize, oh, the grass isn't always greener, or, hey, I may hit the portal and not be able to take a step up in, as far as like better school until that day happens, until it comes, you know, it's here to stay, and I, I think if you're Carolina, you've got to really look. Can you upgrade any of those spots? And I don't get caught up. I've talked about this on the show before. I don't get caught up in portal on if you were at an SEC school or not, man. Get, give me Juice Wells. Give me Nate Atkins every single day of the week. And, Chris, you could almost argue. Matter of fact, I will argue. In the first half of the game – on Friday, mm -hmm. Nate Atkins was the most valuable player on the field for his team. Um, 
Now, part of that is they had no more tight ends. But part of that is he, <laughs> right. he arguably he arguably looked like the best player on the field. You can make other arguments there, but as far as value to his team at that exact moment, oh yeah, yeah, we saw what happened when he left, right? Um, and you know, I'll tie that into the conversation about there's going to be a window of guys hitting the portal. I think in the next couple of weeks, there's going to be a window of guys hitting the portal after spring ball. Nate Atkins literally was the last scholarship guy added to the 2022 team. There was one scholarship remaining. And a lot of people were like, eh, tight end room doesn't look that bad. Why are you taking a guy with one year left? Um, You know, and I'll, I'll be completely honest. I don't even know if I verbalized this, but I was like, I mean, I get it. But I was sitting there going, maybe if you, I'd maybe take a DB. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. if I'm being completely honest with everybody. Like I, I understood it, but also was like, is there is there a safety you could have gone and got instead? But it just goes to show you, for one, you can find good players anywhere. Yeah. And two, you never know how these things are going to turn out. So, you know, when they take a Mario Anderson from Newberry, I don't care that he's from Newberry. Like, go get good football players supplement your roster with good football players. And Nate Atkins, I don't know if you want to take this, Chris, in the direction of recruiting or in the direction of Nate Atkins himself, but, man, <laughs> for a moment, like, this guy's out there making plays. I'm I'm thinking, and I'm actually hoping for his sake, there may be an NFL future here for Nate, but just goes to show you, you never know when you get these guys exactly how yeah. it's going to turn out. Well, he can just do a lot of different things, and – um I certainly wouldn't be surprised if it pops up, you know, late season 2023 and Nate Atkins is on an NFL roster in some form or fashion, however he got there. Um, he can pass protect. He can catch the football. Uh, he's probably more athletic than people give him credit for. I think he can carry the football for you if you want. I don't think you're going to see that a lot at the college or NFL level for him. And he can be a valuable special teams player, which, as we know, if you can do that, at the NFL level, that's going to give you an even better shot, you know, to stick around in, in some regard. We've also seen kind of, Wes, a little bit in the past few years, there's been somewhat of a renaissance of like a, a tight end that's kind of more like Nate Adkins that can do uh, some different things for you, line up some different ways as more like collegiate concepts get, you know, bleed over into the NFL. So, um, he was tremendous, man. I mean, he, he made a lot of big plays in the first half. And then, as we alluded to earlier, when he left the game, South Carolina wasn't able to do much as much offensively. And I think there are a lot of reasons for that. But Nate Adkins' absence is on that list of things. And you can argue, well, it was a small factor. It was a huge factor. It was the biggest factor anywhere in between. But it, it there's no doubt it was a factor. And I think anybody – uh, within the program w would tell you that, that, that not having him was significant. So, yeah, it ended up being a really big ad for South Carolina. You know, I think recruiting-wise, you can't – you don't want to fill your roster. Like, like it almost went – like Nick Muse. You remember when Nick Muse was signed? Why are we taking a guy from William & Mary? It's like, well, if you signed – 85 William and Mary players on your roster, you're going to have a William and Mary team. And they're, they've had some success at their level, Wes, but on the SEC level, they would not. So, yeah, you can't sign 
a class of 25 William and Mary type players. That that would not be a good strategy, but you can find those diamonds in the rough. Nate Muse, NFL roster guy. You mentioned Nate Atkins. Antoine Wells will be an NFL player. He was an FCS guy at James Madison. So find players who are productive at their level, have traits that can translate, have high football IQs, supplement your roster, as you said, and I think you can make uh, some smart decisions there. And USC's had a pretty decent hit rate, Wes, with some guys from some lower levels uh, that they brought up to make an impact on their team. No doubt, man. Let's um, give a quick shout-out here to Daniel Johnson, who just threw us a tip. Um, I won't ask for tips, but you can throw those tips on YouTube if you're watching on that show. Um, said, do you think we go for a receiver, too? Go Gamecocks. Uh, yeah, thank you, Daniel. I would say yes. You know, even with the potential return of Juice Wells, like even if he comes back, I think that's something if you're Carolina, you're going to be in the market for. I really had circled somebody, you know, this off, this season, I mean, looking ahead to next year, looking ahead to next offseason, I had really circled Corey Rucker as a difference maker for, for the 2023 roster, for the 2023 team. And obviously, you know, he hit the portal. I, I kind of had just really penciled him in, honestly, as a likely starter for next year's team and was thinking, well, you put him opposite Juice plus – you know, A.B. or to carry on in the slot, add in Xavier Leggett, you probably feel really good about your receiving core. Well, at this point, we know there won't be a Corey Rucker, and Juice Wells has his decision to make. So I think certainly if you miss out on, you know, Juice returning, then, I mean, you need to find – you're looking for your alpha. You're looking for your your number one receiver, if you want to talk about it from NFL terms. Even if Juice is back, though, I think if you could find a guy to put opposite of him and possibly pair them with, you know, obviously a Spencer Rattler, then yes, absolutely. Now, I don't think you take a guy just to take him, Daniel, but I'm I'm pushing hard for a transfer receiver or two if it's me. And I, I think getting Rattler back probably is going to play into that decision. If I'm a transfer wide receiver and I see what Seven did down the stretch, then – that would be very appealing for me. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I I was sitting here in my head while you were talking, kind of thinking, okay, rank the transfer portal positions in terms of need. Because um, I, I listed off how many positions did I list earlier, Wes? About seven. All <laughs> about all of them. I mean, seriously, I, I think I, I didn't list defensive tackle, tight end at this point, just because it's done. They already that's hit that. <laughs> gonna be about, that's going to be about it. So. Yeah, I, I am firmly in favor of taking a receiver. And, Wes, I think I'd be there even if, you know, you definitely – if you know that Juice is definitely coming back. Even if Corey Rucker is on the roster, I still think, especially if it's a multi-year guy at that point, then you look at taking a receiver. I mean, you never know. Injuries, you know, can play in. Uh, the You know, the best players will eventually get on the field and some others can do – you know, have more spot duty roles for you. I am certainly in favor. I think it would be smart for South Carolina um, to take a wide receiver out of the portal. Yeah, and I think uh, to your point, man, not all additions are created equal in terms of how many years they have left. I think if, you know, if you're taking two guys, much like we saw with 
tight end this offseason. I thought they did a fantastic job, not only of replenishing that spot, but just, okay, Trey Knox comes in. He's got one year of eligibility left. Mm-hmm. Bring in another guy, Josh Simon, two years of eligibility left. Then you got uh, Nick Elksness, three years of el- So if you can space them out, I, I think that matters. And I, I think there are going to be situations, even, Chris, if you have a position where you feel good about it, if you bring in someone that has three years of eligibility left, I almost count that as getting a high school guy. You know, yeah. if, he, if he's good enough, um, you know, I, I think that's something you have to consider, even if you're saying, oh, this position is in okay shape. We don't really need a transfer. But if the right guy is out there, and as we know at this point, a lot of times this comes with connections. Who knows somebody who was coached by or who was recruited by somebody a couple of years ago, who's maybe from the state but is playing out of the state. All these things factor in. So we'll see, and I expect there to be plenty more transfer portal storylines for us to follow on Gamecock Central here coming up um, the next uh, the next couple of weeks. Uh, Michael weighing in saying Leggett can come back. Leggett, I believe right now from what he has said, is planning to come back. So uh, not I believe, he has said he's coming back. So that, uh, that'll be something to keep an eye on there. Also, shout out to Nick at night, throwing us a $10 tip. Uh, hey, give us a question, Nick. We'll answer it. But um, before we go any further, I'll tell you what, Chris, here's what I want to do. Let's talk about the big news from yesterday. Mm-hmm. Then we will circle back to the game um, itself and, and dive into that a little bit more. Um, also, I don't believe we told you off top about our buddy Clint Hammond. He is the presenting sponsor of our show, ClintHammond.com, 803-771-6933. Clint and his whole crew is now with Movement Mortgage, yeah, but nothing really changes here locally. If you have used Clint in the past or you're looking to possibly buy a house in the future, uh, give Clint a shout, 803-771-6933. Clint, not only a huge supporter of Gamecock Central, but a massive Gamecock fan. Chris, you and I got to meet up with Clint and his wonderful wife down in Jacksonville, so shout out to Clint. We saw him at the Patrick Davis concert, which was awesome and uh, then caught him out there tailgating. So, uh, Clint, shout out to you, man. We definitely appreciate the support throughout uh, the last couple of years here on GC Live. But, Chris, the big news coming out yesterday, I know you had a chance uh, in an exclusive interview that was presented by Garnet Trust to chat with DeCarrion about his decision. DeCarrion uh, made that official yesterday with what I thought was one of the best video announcements I've frankly ever seen. Um, I've been hardened a bit, Chris, uh, covering football, but I had some like goosebumps going with that. Um, to carry on, you can tell um, takes his uh, his new role coming up. Uh, I believe March due date. He said as a father, extremely seriously. This is someone in to carry on that has dealt with loss in his own life, uh, as far as that is concerned, and. I thought uh, before we get to the on-field part of it, it uh, and I would, Chris, you're obviously girl dad times two. What did you think of the uh, DK announcement? I think he had a lot of Gamecocks in their fills last night. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was really the lead. The West in that video was his his child, his new addition. I think it's March 12th or March 16th. Those are the two that are coming to my head. But, um, yeah, little girl due in March. Uh, definitely an awesome experience. We got a chance to talk about that a little bit as we were chatting for the interview. So 
he's obviously excited about that. Mentioned it in the interview, which you can check out on GamecockCentral.com if you have not already. Read that interview in full. But, yeah, I mean, his reasoning is something he's obviously thought through, Wes, instead of, hey, do I do I maybe try my hand at going pro? Do I, do I try my hand? Heck, even in another school, Wes, I mean, you see that all the time. You see guys who have one more year of eligibility go clean slate, play somewhere else. Um, this is a guy who obviously has a quarterback background. You would think he'd probably have options to do that somewhere, even if he wanted to. Uh, but instead, staying at South Carolina, he's really kind of put roots down here and mentioned that, you know, he, he's got a house in Columbia. Uh, I thought it was really cool to hear him just talk about how his daughter's due date is in March. And obviously, that South Carolina will kind of be in the middle of preparing for spring ball, spring practice around that time. Um, and it's just really important for him, he said, to be here. He said that's a very important time. Um, you know, obviously early in his in his daughter's life. And so really cool to hear him talking about that. Like you said, responsibility that he's taken very, very seriously. You know, we talked about NIL some to carry on done a really good job of building his brand and getting himself some opportunities. And um, he talked about just how he's conducted himself in that realm, even and how he thinks that that's helped him gain more opportunities. So cool stuff. And I enjoyed talking with him uh, about the decision. Yeah, and Chris, I, I was going to bring that up. A lot of people talk about, you know, maybe the negative sides of NIL, but mm -hmm. this is a perfect example of someone who has carried himself the right ways on and off the field and has been able to take advantage of opportunities that have been presented by NIL. Uh, for one, all the credit in the world to him, Chris, in that, he is very has a keen business sense, which I think is going to serve him extremely well after football is over. But you're talking about someone who right now I think probably would be a risk to jump to the NFL as far as you know projections go because he hasn't, you know, he talked about it with you as well. He had some injuries going on the first half of the year, was kind of trying to get back. I thought he looked as explosive as we have ever seen him during kind of the final, what would you say, quarter or final third of the season. And yep. but, but it would be a risk, I think, to jump. And now you're seeing NIL, like this is the perfect example of a really good college football player who's done everything to make himself um, a fan favorite among the fan base. Obviously, his bowl game last season – uh, you know, the Mayo Bowl, everything that came from that. None of those opportunities are there if not for what NIL has presented. And Carry On has done a fantastic job of taking advantage of it. And I think it takes some of the pressure off. He may, in an alternate reality, it felt like, oh, I'm about to have a child. I have to jump to the NFL and try to make it right now. This gives him a chance not only to still be in Columbia and be there, um, you know, for, for when she comes into this world. But also, I would say, Chris, probably in a better spot to financially feel good about that as well, which um, we probably lose sight of that sometimes with every with all the negative headlines about NIL. So um, from a big picture standpoint, I think it's worthwhile mentioning. But also just from a DK standpoint, um, his business sense, the fact the job he's done marketing himself, putting these deals together, 
has been extremely impressive to watch from my end. Yeah, and I think to carry on, um, at least at one point, Wes, not too long ago, and I think it's still the case, don't want to say for sure, is kind of representing himself like uh, most players or a lot of players rather, especially if they've got somewhat of a high profile or, you know, working with an agent, which is a lot of times great, but to carry on, like you said, has really developed a business sense. He has a really good understanding of this. He knows how to pitch himself. He has a lot of companies and businesses that go to him because they know that they're going to represent their brand the right way. I mean, you can hear him. He's done several things on 107.5 West. He's done some stuff, you know, commercial wise. Um, he's done social media campaigns. So he's been able to do a lot of stuff and, and good for him. And look, that that is, I mean, you, you hit a really great point in that a lot of people are talking about NIL and such and such getting, you know, a million dollars. And look, that is a lot more rare, a lot, lot more rare in college football, whether it's guys coming from the high school ranks, guys that are already in college, the vast majority of NIL activity is exactly what we've heard from guys like to carry on or Josh van or a bunch of other athletes where they don't have time to work, you know, and a lot of them, yes, they're getting their school paid for and They have great meals. At least they look like it. They've never invited us to eat one Wes. At the football they smell field. amazing. I'll tell you they, that. They smell amazing. They look amazing. Maybe one day. But that doesn't mean that they're just flush with cash, right? Uh, it, a lot of times it doesn't even mean that they and their family uh, have enough, right? And so sometimes I'll admit I get a little irritated when people say, well, why, why, you know, if, if it's a guy that is considering leaving, why is that guy just jumping at the first opportunity? He, he should come back and you know, work hard with his team. and It's not always that simple, right? Um, not everything is, is just a blanket statement, but uh, e each situation stands on its own. And for to carry on, I do think he's making a good decision. Like you said, Wes, doesn't really matter what we think. It's his decision and what's best for him. But I think he's he's got great reasoning and a great outlook behind it. Yeah, and, and not to uh, – this is not a paid ad or anything, but he is coming back. He's a Gamecock all the way, maybe one of the most true through-and-through through Gamecocks we've seen around here in a long time. So um, I will say this. If you want to support DK, can'tstopcinco.com. He just put out a new shirt, run it back with a, a cartoon graphic of himself on there. Pretty cool shirt. So there it is, can'tstopcinco.com. On the field, Chris, I do want to get to this as well. Yeah. We saw South Carolina, I feel like, use him the best we have seen down the stretch of this season. He brought, I would say, an extra element to the running game. He had a big catch down the seam in mm -hmm. the bowl game as well. What did you learn from him? I know there was a quote in your article. He said that um, he and Dow Loggins had talked. They're still yet to go over like the specific details, but I know we're going to be asked. It's going to be talked about all offseason because that was the case this past offseason too, but – what insight did DK give you on those conversations so far on how he may be used next year? Well, the biggest thing is, is like you said, there have not been those in-depth talks. They haven't sat down and, you know, gotten on the whiteboard and looked at film and all those things. Um, Dow Loggins did tell to carry on that, hey, we're going to have some fun. Uh, I think they've, they've spoken briefly, but they haven't had that in-person sit down, let's go over your role. Uh, but to carry on does seem to have a sense that, 
he will be a bigger part of the offense going forward. And another sign, Wes, that he just has his head on the right way, I think, is he he didn't put it all on the coaching staff, right? I mean, he mentioned that he he feels like he'll be utilized properly next year. And so certainly if you're, you know, extracting some things for that, you could say, well, maybe that means he wasn't utilized properly in the past. And like you said, they they figured it out more, I think, down the stretch. But another big part of it was to carry on admitted, hey, I, I wasn't able to do those things athletically from a health standpoint because he was banged up the first half of the season. And so he put it on himself to say, hey, I've got to make sure I'm available for my team and, and my teammates. And obviously with injuries, Wes, a lot of those things you're you're not able to help, right? But I, I thought it was just another sign, you know, of, of DeCaryon's maturity and kind of how he's going about this thing. But no specifics yet, Wes, on, on how he's going to be utilized. You would figure he's going to continue to have a special teams role. Uh, you would figure wide receiver. You would figure with Dow Loggins, um, you know, some quarterback and, and being – another guy that they can utilize in the run game is something that we'll probably continue to see as well next season, but probably just more touches overall for to carry on. I think, I think might be a, might be a theme here. Yeah. And I thought they used him very well down the stretch. And if you're able to do some things in the running game, otherwise, and if you're able to keep making some plays, otherwise, like you did against Tennessee in the passing game, then having that extra element that to carry on brings, whether it's at quarterback, whether it's getting him the ball, you know, on reverses, but him being able to throw the football off of them. There are really some fun things you can do if you're going to continue to take that like wide open, fun approach to offense. Even, you know, even though the offense didn't have their best game against Notre Dame, especially in the first half when they were still able to make some first downs on other plays, I thought we saw them continue to utilize DK and you know, a variety of successful ways. And and it made it fun. I think it made it fun for him. I think it made it fun for the players around him as well and for the fans. So hopefully, I think that's what fans want to see. So hopefully they'll continue to do that going into next year because even with the less than – it wasn't the outcome they wanted against Notre Dame, but the offense was still more fun to watch, certainly than it was some of those other games when they were, like, really struggling, like, yeah. It's hard to say, oh, they struggled on offense when you compare it to some of the games earlier <laughs> in the year before they kind of changed their mindset a little bit. I mean, those were the real struggles. Like, they yeah. still scored some points on Friday. They still had some big plays. And uh, certainly, uh, DK and his versatility was a big part of that. So, we'll certainly be, I, sa- I would say, uh, excited to see what he does moving forward and interested to see what that looks like with Dow Loggins, but he clearly, Chris, feels comfortable with uh, with, with what that looks like moving forward. Yeah, he does. Um, I think he talked a lot about Shane Beamer and the direction that Beamer's taking the program and, you know, kind of talked about the year one, year two, and, and year three thing, you know, going into his final season as a Gamecock, his final season overall, and the, the third year of the Shane Beamer era. Talked about the buy-in he's seen from recruits. He kind of just has a really good – um, positive big picture. And I thought it was pretty, you know, telling and interesting, Wes, that he said, you know, football is fun for me at this point. I think to carry on, you know, while he didn't say this, I think certainly looking at his comments and just kind of having that conversation with him, I think he was one of those guys who at one point football just 
wasn't all that fun for him. We know we've talked about this before. We won't go into it, but the 2020 season, just how hard that was COVID and a two win team and all those different types of things. And certainly there's a lot of just not, not as as positive vibes Wes, as there are now. So he talked about that some and definitely feels very comfortable with uh, the direction that this thing is going heading into 2023. No doubt, man. So uh, let's, I guess get back to some final thoughts on the game. We'll, of course, have more opportunities this week if we want to dive into the game a little bit more. But first, I'm going to tell you about our friends at Liberty Tax, 803-462-5576. It is now, of course, January 2023, so that means tax time is upon us. No better place to get your taxes done than here uh, in the Columbia area in Columbia, Columbia, Irmo, or Lexington. you got three great local options 1123 South Lake Drive, that's Lexington, 7467 St. Andrews Road in Irmo, and then 551 St. Andrews Road uh, in the 29210 Columbia area code. Uh, the local tax team at Liberty Tax can help walk you through this process. Never fun to do your taxes, but they will make it simple, and we'll be telling you, I believe, a good bit more about what they have going on coming up these next few months during tax time. Um all right, Chris, so the game itself, we talked about it a little bit earlier. Um, let's dive into it a little bit more. It sort of felt like one of those games, again, South Carolina had the momentum early on. Notre Dame chipped away. Felt like Notre Dame completely had taken over. Then O.D. Fortune <laughs> makes what appeared to be the game-saving play. Great to see him from a Carolina perspective make that play because as you and I talked about while watching the game, he's not in there as much as he was, if not for the opportunity presented by opt-outs, you know, with Darius Rush and Cam Smith. So he steps up, makes his play. But then at that point, yes, Chris, the team had struggled to stop the run, but it felt to me like they were just completely worn down by them. Because even after you make that play, what happens? Defense is right back on the field. I know you're not going to trade in the pick six. You'll take that every day of the week. But you had just given up a long drive to get to that point. And you kind of, I don't know, man, watching the game in the stadium, even with that big play, I'm sitting there going, they need another turnover or just another mistake from Notre Dame because it just felt like Notre Dame's offense with a, behind a really good O-line had control of the game at that point. Yeah, and so, you know, after that t interception return for a touchdown, like you said, right back on the field for a Gamecock defense that had played a lot of snaps and were obviously gassed and down a good bit from a depth standpoint. And so we saw Notre Dame first play, 17-yard run, then a five-yard run, a four-yard run, a four-yard run, five-yard pass, 12-yard run. You know, so they just kind of are hitting you. And then – the critical points, Notre Dame's down third and five on the South Carolina 28. So, at this point, you're thinking, you know, I, I remember being in the game saying, they're going to bleed this thing down, kick a field goal, possibly win the game, just depending on the clock, right? But they, they complete a pass um, for nine yards. I think that was just one of those little passes where you're just bringing somebody across and they dump it off and uh, to Chris Tyree got nine yards. And then, of course, the throwback pass on third and seven at the South Carolina 16. Now, the one thing that that did, Wes, not that a touchdown is normally a positive result, but it did 
go ahead and stop the clock. The inevitable of Notre Dame scoring something, whether it's a touchdown, a field goal, happens, and now you get the ball back. But then, of course, South Carolina ultimately unable um, unable to you know punch it in down there. Um, you know, had some penalties, of course, on that last drive as well. So, you know, just very close at the end of the game. I think you just kind of chalk it up to defensively. South Carolina just couldn't get the key stops um, at the end of the game. Just just a lot of snaps that they played offensively. Just weren't as crisp, you know, had the penalties. Um, but, heck, I mean, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, just a back-and-forth affair, and South Carolina just continued to swing and just came up short there at the end. Yeah, I, I'm with you, man. I thought when they scored – when Notre Dame scored, wasn't actually the worst thing because I, I thought they were going to be able to just round and basically kick an extra point. Uh, what a mat what mattered to an e- you know extra point and um, you know with no time left. So you said, well, they Carolina's got time. Of course, penalties, man. The penalties in this game, whether they were the correct calls or, or not, they happened. Um. Killer for South Carolina. They lost 30 yards and penalties right before the half. Uh, you know, you had a 15-yarder on Beamer that tacked on. I thought they had a great shot to maybe go down and score right before the half. That got wiped out. Um, you look at the penalties on the final drive. And, and again, to me, Chris, it was just missed opportunities. They had an opportunity after, um, you know, he, he had the two interceptions that returned for touchdowns. But he had the other interception that set South Carolina up with great field position in plus territory as well. And um, they were not able to capitalize on it either. So you look, to me, this game was just ultimately about missed opportunities. Both sides had opt-outs. I know it's easy to sit there and say, well, would Carolina have won if they had this guy, this guy, this guy? I don't really know if it's even fair to play that game. because. For one, they didn't have those guys. For two, Notre Dame had guys they would have loved to have as well. Um, so in, and in all of our breakdowns of the game going in, you, you knew those guys weren't there. So to me, the if, ands, or buts on that is kind of a hard game to play. Ultimately, Notre Dame made more plays, took advantage of more opportunities, and were able to really win with, with two pick sixes on their resume. Yeah. Which just does not happen. I, I saw a stat, and it was actually in reference to, I guess, what it would have been. TCU had two pick sixes yep. against Michigan. And uh, the stat at the time, I don't know if this even would have factored in the Carolina game, but somebody on Twitter basically did the math. And of the last, I think it was 100 or so games where there were two pick sixes, the win winning percentage was like ninety three percent. Yep. For a team that had the two pick sixes, so that just usually doesn't happen. But it was one of those weird games, man. High scoring. It was a very, it was a very bowl bowl game. <laughs> yeah. You know, like very bowl games bowl are just game. weird. Yeah, it was a weird game. It was fun. Gamecock fans, you did your part. You were there. Yep. You were wild. Um tailgating outside the stadium, Gamecock fans everywhere. Um, but now, you know, you turn your turn the page a little bit, and there's going to be plenty for us to talk to, I feel like, coming up these next couple of weeks, Chris. 
Yeah, there is. I want to go to one smaller point from the game. The Spencer Rattler throw. Where, where did that rank for you on his audacious throws that he's made this season? Um, we talking about the one to Leggett? The throw, yep. <laughs> yep, the Leggett throw. I mean, also, but the Leggett catch. Oh, yeah. Well. It's yeah, like, I mean, the, the catch was absolutely incredible. I mean, I don't think you could have fit a, a human cell in between his foot and the, and the out-of-bounds line. I mean, it was so close. Um, amazing catch, obviously, to be able to full sprint, haul that in, get your foot down, control it. But, I mean, the throw was almost inhuman. I mean, it's not something, you know, quarterbacks don't make that throw in general. Yeah, and he he's one of the only guys I've ever watched in person, certainly one of the only guys I've watched in a Carolina uniform where you are constantly in awe of throws he makes, even the ones that are misses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter if it, if it hits or not. Yeah. He was like, "Good grief, that was that was insane." So, I, the I'll, I'll end on this note, man. How different of a conversation are we having this entire off season if we're talking about Rattler and Juice coming back, or we're talking about having to replace Rattler and Juice? It's a very different conversation. Expectations are going to be high regardless, but the real, how realistic those expectations are, yeah, depends on that. I think. Yeah, if they come, if if that duo comes back, the expectations that are already probably somewhat high are probably get pushed into unrealistically high for some people. Um, But yeah, it, it is a much, much different, much, much different conversation for sure. And for those who are asking. Uh, at least as of right now, no decisions made. I think some people are getting ahead of themselves, kind of trying to predict, um, you know, fans predicting, you know, this guy is coming back. This guy's not coming back. Um, well, I feel good about it. Well, we're going to see what Rattler thinks. We're going to see what Juice Wells thinks and uh, and then go from there. I, I wouldn't, if I'm a fan, I wouldn't get too caught up one way or the other, either the negative side or the positive side. In it until it actually happens because I really think both guys are weighing in every single factor into this decision. And uh, certainly when we get more wind of what direction that may be headed, we'll have it on Gamecock Central. And, of course, we'll have complete breakdowns and analysis of uh, what it means uh, when those guys either come back or head on off to the NFL. So looking forward to that. Again, Happy New Year to everybody. Appreciate y'all's support. As always, he is Chris. I am Wes, and we'll see you soon. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.